rising up after lockdown. That's my title. And I know right away I'm on the money because that's exactly what we're doing. But of course, I want to take a spiritual take on this today. Because we as a nation are slowly moving out of lockdown. And the question is, what should our attitude be as children of God? I'm going to turn in a moment to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. But from this passage, we'll draw on some experiences of Habakkuk which are very similar to our own. And we'll draw from his experience some of the essential elements of faith so that we can move into the new normal, the Jesus normal, which is not normal at all. And so it's time, I believe, for us to rise up with joy and take our place of spiritual authority. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Habakkuk, quite an extraordinary prophet, he never actually addresses the people of God, but we listen in to his prayers. In fact, for prayers, read complaints. Are your prayers like that sometimes? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, he was a bit of a whiner and a moaner. God, why are we in such a mess? What's going on? And God says, don't worry, I'm sending the Babylonians to punish you. What? They are more wicked than us. What's going on? Don't worry, Habakkuk, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that's the kind of story, all right? And uh, it's always good to have in your mind the kind, a bit of, bit of history, biblical history, right? So when you hear one of the prophets like Habakkuk saying, well, when did he live? What, what, was, he, what was the deal of the day? And uh, Bible scholars tell us that Habakkuk probably prophesied and flourished during the reign of the good king Josiah. Josiah was a good king, brought reformation and restoration, restoration of the temple, restoration of the Passover, and it was a, a bit of a time of revival. But the revival was short-lived because it wasn't deeply rooted. Now, I... I I want to call everybody back to Christ. I take no pleasure 
in the prophetic fulfillment as God showed me that people would be uprooted very easily in this time of coronavirus and some of the other struggles we've had because they weren't deeply rooted in the Lord. And if you've met anybody that's been shaken, listened to a rumor, got in a a spirit of fear, or got worried, stopped connecting. We don't take any joy from that. We say, come on, come back, and this time, get your roots deeper in God. When I was a boy, I had a Reader's Digest book. It was a book of Proverbs taken from all over the world, including some biblical proverbs. And one proverb I remember, alongside pigs may fly. Have you heard that? Heard that? Don't worry if you haven't, it's very English. There was this proverb, the danger passes and God is forgotten. I must have been a 10, 11, 11 year old boy and the fear of God came on me because I saw in that proverb, which is not a biblical proverb, but I mean I believe it's biblically sound, but it's not taken from the Bible, but the danger passes and God is forgotten. So in other words, when we're in trouble, when there's difficulty, then everybody's saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, no more problem, okay, never mind. Back to normal. That's not the normal we want to go back to. So, yeah, deep roots. Josiah's reforms were short-lived. And God showed Habakkuk that the Babylonians were coming. Now, this was not long after the Assyrians had their big deal. It took away the northern kingdom. Now the Assyrians, their influence was diminishing. And there was this other empire beginning to rise up on the horizon, Babylon. Only the far-sighted could see that Babylon was going to come, the big imperial power of the day, and it was Babylon that was going to take Judah into captivity. Habakkuk saw this and he didn't like it. And he complained to God. And God said it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it's going to turn out well because I'm going to heal and restore my people. And Habakkuk had his glorious reactions. I think they are amazing. I have no need to tell you that We've had difficult times, COVID-19, social unrest, economic problems, the word of God disrespected, Christianity rejected, reduced, spirituality is more secular than biblical, more polytheistic rather than worshipping the God of the Bible, even, which is a byword for our generation, the leading evolutionary biologist of our day is more willing to believe that if something had to start all this off, then it would have been an alien from another planet, not the God of the Bible. And he calls himself a scientist. We look at what was going on in Habakkuk's day. Judah was worshipping Baal, false gods in the high places. 
offering its children to Molech. Child sacrifice, all-time high. Over the last four months, 500,000 people have died through coronavirus worldwide. How many babies have been aborted in the womb and some at very late stages? Somebody last week told me that they'd checked it out. 21 and a half million. When we see this, no wonder the nations are being shaken. No wonder the intercessors are rising up and saying, God have mercy. No wonder the spirit of repentance is sweeping on the church, saying, God be merciful to us. The Babylonians are coming, was Habakkuk's message. But when he realized that God was in control and God had not finished with his people yet, yes, maybe we're going to be brought low. Maybe we're going to have to come back to walk with Jesus in a new way, better than before. Maybe we're going to have to start to obey him and do the things that he's called us to do, to rise up as more godly Christians, more spiritual people, more dedicated citizens or subjects of the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. Isn't that what we want? We want that. Can I have an amen from the house? (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. But then somehow Habakkuk changed. Instead of complaining, he said, you know, I get it. And I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to remain And I'm going to wait. And so I want to share with you briefly three things that Habakkuk did that we can learn from. As we come out of lockdown, as we rise up in the things of the Spirit, as we regather and begin to rebuild and to take new territory, we're not going to wait till we gather here before we have a victory. We've had four months of victory Salvations, healings, the church being added to through the live stream. Praise God for all of that. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank God for the faithfulness of the people. Thank God for the technical team working night and day to ensure not only can we do this each Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of the week showing you programs and keeping in connection with you. Not that you have to surf around from place to place to scrap for some food from some other place, but that you are linked up with the place where your Bethlehem, the church is your Bethlehem, the place of bread, the house of bread. The house of bread is the house of God that God has given you. And, and people are realizing that Christian fellowship is not like shopping for your groceries. Some go to Sainsbury's. Some go to Marks and Spencer's. Not many. It costs a lot. Many go to little. Many are the littles. And say, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I go to Tesco. I, you know, everybody has their choice. Oh, okay, this is how we approach church. No, God's house is not a supermarket. It's the church of the living God. And he puts us together in relationship, which is sacred and holy. And that's where we flourish. Can I have another amen? amen. <laughs> Praise God. And he came to understand some of this stuff. And so the first thing that he said was, God, I get it. It's not going to be comfortable, but I say this, God, I'm going nowhere. 
I'm staying right here. Wow. I'm not going to abandon my people or abandon my God. Probably the prophecy the Babylonians are coming was not really believed. We know that Jeremiah later on, when he's lived right up to the time of the exile and the Babylonian armies were at the very door, even then people didn't believe. No, God, God won't let Jerusalem fall. But Habakkuk saw it and he believed it. And I wonder if there'd been a conversation with his wife and family. Guys, you know God's spoken to me. Three times I've complained to God and the three times the answers come back. The Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. It's going to be terrible. It's going to get worse. It's coming a time where there will be not one flock of sheep out there. Not one, uh, one of the herds will remain. And the fig trees and the vine trees, there's going to be no fruit. And, and, and the wife might have said, well, what are we doing here then? And he said, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Shall we get out of here? Let's get out of here. It's, going, it's not going to work here. Let's get out of here. But then Habakkuk realized, no, we are part of the covenant of God. God's love is upon us. God's promises are bigger than our present circumstances. He's going to restore us. He's going to revive us. He's going to bless us. When the going gets tough and it's difficult, a lot of people abandon ship and say, oh, no, I don't want to go through that. But when we refuse to go the way that God is giving us, we will not enjoy the fruit that shall come when the time of blessing arrives. There is a revival coming. There is a move of God coming. There is a move of God that shall not be contained in any building that we know. It's a move of God that shall transcend the thoughts and imaginations of men and women. It'll be such a God thing that all we will be able to do is to say, my, 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 there goes the hand of God. And when we go through the valley, we go through the discipline, we go through the lean times, we, we, we stand firm in the times of opposition and criticism and when the whole of society increasingly says, we don't want you or your God, we say, we're going nowhere. Why? Look around. All of this will one day be ours. We shall inherit the earth for God's kingdom shall never fail. He said, I'm going nowhere. I'm not going to abandon my people. I'm not going to abandon my God. I'm going to stay faithful and I'm going to trust God will help me. Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9, I chose it. It fits this. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Everybody say, I shall not be shaken. Oh, is it amazing, Amanda, to hear the people? We did that kind of thing from home, but we couldn't hear them. I shall not be shaken. Do you know what this means? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but I shall not be shaken. Why? Because he has 
lifted me out of the desolate pit and he's put my feet upon the rock Christ Jesus and he's put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God and many shall hear and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going nowhere. Secondly, he said, do you know what, Mrs. I'm going nowhere. You're going nowhere. We're going nowhere. Why? Because we are just too grateful to give up on God. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, he says. And I will not stop praising the Lord. Do you see what he says? Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice. In the Lord. I like it. I will. There is intention here. This isn't simple future. Simple future would be I shall. I shall. In in our common language, we just say I will all the time. We don't really realize. We don't use the grammar properly. C'est la même chose en français qu'on en parle normalement en français. On n'en parle pas le plus le, 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 le vrai français. I'm speaking to JS. He says that. Just like him speaking French. You don't speak the real French. So here, I will is intention. I shall is future. Now I can promise you, you shall praise the Lord. It's going to happen. The future is going to be here. And when you see it, you're going to praise God. But the blessing is not just to wait until the future comes and becomes present and you praise the Lord, but you praise the Lord now before the future is here. I will rejoice in the Lord. Not your circumstances, oh, that's a good thing, that's another sermon. But I will rejoice in the Lord because Jesus never changes. Coronavirus, he come. Coronavirus, he go. But Jesus, he stay forever. I will rejoice in the Lord. That's his source of joy. Then he says, I will. Same thing. It's intention. I will take joy in God, the God of my salvation. I love this. Maybe I'm taking the words too simply. But what springs out at me is a picture of him saying, I'm going to take joy. If joy doesn't come to me, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go out and grab it. It's like going into the storehouse of God. Like when you're all masked up and you're keeping your distance and you see what's available on the shelves and there's people behind you saying, get a move on. So you say, what am I going to take? What's the first thing? What's the first thing? What's the first thing? Was it a bag of sugar? Was it a chicken leg or two? Or was it some spice that you ran out of? Well, he went into the supermarket of God's kingdom and he said, you know what, what am I going to take? What am I going to, oh, I know what I'm going to take. I'm going to take joy. It was intentional. He made a decision. I'm going to take joy in the God of my salvation. That's where your joy is. Salvation means you are saved from something. Here, probably the original context is about 
Do you know what? God is going to deliver us out of the hand of the Babylonians. He's going to bring us back into restoration and, and, you know, and he's going to save us. But we know that some of the doctrines of the New Testament's salvation come from Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. You shall be saved by your faithfulness or faith, faith in the faithfulness of God. And so he says, my salvation, and I'm going to rejoice in my salvation. And you know what? Whatever goes wrong, it's salvation that tells us it is well with my soul. And I want our church to return to this building with an ever-sharpened focus on the priority of all priorities, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ by the proclamation of his gospel. Not to leap into social action as if that will replace salvation. Let our social action be the overflow of our love for God. But let our priority be that spiritual call upon our lives to announce the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation in his name, because that is the only way to rescue our nation. We are evangelical believers. I'm not talking denomination now. I'm talking we are gospel people. And when we learn that our joy is in the Lord, our salvation is secure in him, then we can endure everything and we'll put our focus on the cross, which is the most significant focus of our lives. Now, how will he do it? How do you do it? How do you rejoice in the Lord? How do you take on the joy of the Lord? Very simple. Gratitude. You, you, you get this as you read it. You get this. He just, he just sits back, takes a deep breath, and says, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you've shown me your purposes, that you're not going to abandon us. You're going to strengthen us. I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. And when you start counting your blessings, as the old song goes, if I was RT, I would sing. But I don't want to chase even the few who are here today away. Count your blessings. Name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. When you start giving gratitude to God, it's like a key that opens the door into the presence of God. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. Amen and amen. I'm grateful. I will not stop praising the Lord. I will rejoice. I will take joy. And I will be grateful. In my studies in psychology and counseling, I'm discovering that today psychologists are saying, you want to get your mental health sorted out? Be grateful. Be grateful. It's one of the surest ways, they tell us, of getting rid of negative thoughts, fears, 
oppression. Just say, thank you, Jesus. That's what this day is all about. We're dedicating it as a day of gratitude towards God. So, I'm going nowhere. I'm staying right here. I'm not going to abandon God's people or God. I'm staying right here. And by the way, I'm going to root myself to the spot and I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful. I'm not going to stop praising him. And then the third thing he says is, and you know what? I'm not going to stay at this level. I've seen something that takes me higher. Before it would have been, God, what are you playing at? Why is this place such a mess? And you're going to bring the Babylonians, and I don't understand that, and I don't agree with that. And now he begins to see things from a higher perspective. He says, you know what? I like the altitude. I like the scenery from here, so I am going to rise up. And that's my call to you. As we step out of lockdown, as some of the exiles have begun to return, <laughs> we're going to rise up together. How does this happen? Verse 19, it says, God, the Lord is my strength. You know, you know, sometimes when you're feeling down or you're feeling there's some pressure or there's some oppression or there's some difficulty and some discouragement, it's very hard to rise up. Even your face falls. Your friends like this. Somebody comes to the cell meeting like this and the Zoom room becomes a gloom room. And you say, I just want to ask you, how are you feeling? Have you been through a difficult time? How did you know? Was it the Holy Spirit? No, it was your face. Your face showed me. You can't rise up. God, the Lord, is your strength. Then he says, okay, sure-footedness in difficult places. He says, verse 19, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's feet. The deer's feet. What are the deer's feet like? Deers have, they're very sure-footed. You know, it's like those, it's like those very specially adapted all-terrain vehicles with huge treads on the tire and each wheel seems to be independent of the other. Uh, I don't know about four-wheel drive. It sounds like eight-wheel drive the way they go. They go over boulders. They go through rivers. They go over mountains and everything's fine. This is what the deer, the deer can run across difficult territory, jump over stream, refuse to stumble at rocks and boulders and pitfalls and logs and any other impediment. God will give you the ability to run through difficult territory and be a smooth as a swan on a still lake. But that's not enough now because he's, he's not just talking about how we're going to progress in this direction. He wants to remind us that there is an altitude change. God the Lord is my strength. He, he makes my feet like the deer's and he makes me tread upon my high places. Rise up. It is a higher path. A different path to tread. Different altitude. Different perspective. God is calling you to rise up. Now, 
think about it. I pray that all these examples will leap out of the Bible to you in the next few days and weeks as you read it. But remember, remember this. Jesus said, take up your bed, walk, rise up. He had to rise up on the inside before he could rise up on the outside. Peter learned that and he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Rise up on the inside. Rise up. Amen and amen. Rise up in faith. Pick up your bed and walk. A new song of gratitude and praise lifted up out of the desolate pit onto the high place of the rock Christ Jesus. Rise up in prayer. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and effects. Fervency. Stop praying like a prayer warrior. Oh God, I'm so worried. Oh no, no, what's going to happen, Jesus? It's so terrible. That's a prayer warrior with burdens. When you cast your burdens onto Jesus, you rise up as a prayer warrior. You don't squeak like a mouse. You roar like a lion and it rises up on the inside of you. And in that way, you can have powerful prayers that opens the doors that no man can shut. And then rising up to take your stand with the full armor of God. And this I know is what God wants to do. Would you, would, you, would you rise up with me here? Would you rise up with me here today? There is a rising up coming on the people of God. And this is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. We're going to rise up on the inside before we can rise up on the outside. God is calling us not to cower away in our caves and caverns, not to hide our way, hide ourselves away in our closets and wardrobes, but to stand up, to stand out, to rise up in the name of Jesus and take control in the things of the Spirit that pertain unto you and unto your children and your family and your household and your workplace and your church and the community and the nations of the world. I'm praying that God's people after lockdown won't return to business as usual, but will rise up and roar like a lion and say, I'm going nowhere. I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to rise up and take my place, my high place of spiritual purpose and spiritual authority. Amen and amen. Give Jesus a big praise in the house.